Welcome, folks, to another edition of Opinions All Day. And this week, I will be covering ESPN released NFL fantasy quarterback rankings that were absolute garbage. Why the Chargers' run defense must improve in 2023. And why Luka Doncic and Joel Embiid should both consider leaving the Mavericks and 76ers, respectfully. But I start off the show with Austin Eckler, who I said last week is delusional about running backs' overall worth in the NFL. And, you know, we're, we're on this pathway with Saquon Barkley, Derrick Henry, all these Christian McCaffrey, all these running backs hopping on Zoom calls, talking about how, how it's a disgrace that they're not earning proper uh, wages, even though. Running in the NFL is a passing league. We've transitioned to quarterbacks, offensive line, wide receivers, tight ends. That's what matters the most in the NFL. And Austin Eckler this week went on the Rick Eisen show, went on this spiel about, oh man, it's disgraceful that third string receivers make more than me or make more than starting running backs in general. The stats don't back it up. The last five Super Bowl winners and their starting running backs, along with salaries, were t- 2023 Chiefs, Isaiah Pacheco, 705,000. Cam Akers in 2022 made 890,000. Leonard Fournette in 2021 made $2.5 million. 2020, Damian Williams, $1.73 million. 2019, Sony Michelle, 1.75 million. Austin Eckler earns currently 6.25 million dollars. That is 13th among running backs, which is behind Bijan Robinson, Christian McCaffrey, Avin Kamara, Aaron Jones, Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry, Joe Mixon, Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, Tony Pollard, James Conner, Miles Sanders. Austin Eckler, you know, when you think of running backs, and I'm not saying Austin Eckler is not valuable to the Chargers. He had 13 touchdowns last season. But when you look at where the league's heading, you have all these quarterbacks that are you know, young quarterbacks, um, all the money, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, Aaron Rodgers, Kyla Murray, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Matthew Stafford, Dak Prescott, Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff. Jimmy Garoppolo, Bryce Young, Trevor Lawrence, C.J. Stroud, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Tua. You have all these quarterbacks that run the league. You have these receivers that make a lot of money. Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, Cooper Cup, A.J. Brown, Stephon Diggs, D.K. Metcalf, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Debo Samuel. You have It's a wide receiver league. You just heard me name the running backs from the past Super Bowl champions the past five years. Isaiah Pacheco, Cam Akers, Leonard Fournette, Damian Williams, Sony Michelle. Can you name, outside of Leonard Fournette, did you even know who the hell Isaiah Pacheco was? Did you know who Cam Akers was? I forgot about him. Leonard Fournette, I knew about him. Damian Williams, couldn't couldn't tell you who he is. Wouldn't be able to tell you what team he's on now. Sony Michelle, 
2019 did very well with the Patriots. But what happened? Have you heard from him since since then? Have you heard from Sony Michelle? He played for the Chargers for five games. He was terrible. He was garbage. God awful. Running backs get beat up. That's why they don't make a lot of money. Bijan Robinson makes the high. He's the highest paid running back because he's a rookie. $13.72 million. Christian McCaffrey, he's a Swiss Army knife, $12 million. Alvin Kamara, Swiss Army knife, $11 million. Aaron Jones, $10 million. Nick Chubb, $10 million. Derrick Henry, $10.5 million. There's a reason why running backs don't make a whole bunch of money, and most of these running backs play with average quarterbacks. They play with average quarterbacks. Bijan Robinson, average quarterback with the Falcons. Christian McCaffrey plays with a bunch of musical chairs with the 49ers. Derek Carr of the Saints. Ryan Tannehill, Mike Malik Willis, Will Levis, pick one. They're all the same. Average quarterbacks, below average quarterbacks of the Titans. Daniel Jones is a below average quarterback with the, with the Giants. They play up below to average quarterbacks. Justin Herbert's not an average quarterback. So I can understand why Saquon Barkley, Nick Chubb, or Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey, Derrick Henry, I can see why they're mad. I can understand that. When you're stuck with Ryan Tannehill, Malik Willis, and Will Levis and who other and who whoever you know Josh Dobbs I could I'll be pissed too if I were Derrick Henry, but Austin Eckler doesn't deserve that pass because he plays with a top five quarterback in Justin Herbert. Well, do you hear Isaiah Pacheco with the Chiefs complaining and bitching? No, you don't. Do you hear Joe Mixon bitching and complaining? No. Do you hear the Bills running back bitching and complaining? No. Do you hear the running backs from the Jaguars complaining? No. Do you hear the running backs complaining with the with the Ravens? No, you don't. So when you have a quarterback that's top five in the league, at worst top ten, you're in a special place. You have a chance to win and compete for Super Bowl. Instead, you're going on these stupid national television shows, running your damn mouth, throwing the team right the bus, and then going on the radio talking about you're not... You should be worth more than six $6 million. You had a chance to be traded. And I, I, I went over this last week, and I feel like Charger fans, specifically, the, the other podcasts that I listen to, they're, they're absolutely, they have a stick up their ass. Guys, he's, he's not on the same level as Saquon Barkley. Two different situations. Saquon Barkley stuck with Daniel Jones. Christian McCaffrey plays the freaking... Sam Darnold and, and uh, whoever the quarterback is, that young dude from North Dakota State who can't get on the field. Brock Purdy, seriously? So I, I can understand from Christian McCaffrey's perspective, he went from the Panthers' disaster to, to the 49ers' disaster at quarterback. Alvin Kamara, I could be, uh, yeah, he played with an old up, beat up Drew Brees, and he's playing now stuck with Derek Carr or Jameis Winston. Both kind of the same. James Winston, yeah, I think he has lace. Who knows? Derrick Henry stuck with Malik Willis and 
Ryan Tannehill and Will Levis who puts mayonnaise in his coffee. Bijan Robinson, you're, they don't have a quarterback of the Falcons. Second, you're going to be the offense. So I could see why he wanted that bag. Saquon Barkley, all those guys. That, that makes perfect sense. But for someone like Austin Eckler, stop it. You're not the most valuable player on the team. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Joshua Palmer are more valuable than you. Gerald Everett, Corey Lindsey, the best center in football. Rashawn Slater, the best left tackle in football. Trey Pipkins, Jalen Guyton, Quentin Johnston, Darius Davis. They matter a hell of a lot more than you do. You're replaceable with the Chargers. If you if you were on the Giants with Daniel Jones, that quarterback, or a wax doll, I could I could totally understand that. I could understand your frustration a little more. If you're the centerpiece of the offense and the offense ran through you like it pretty much does with the Titans, like it pretty much does with the 49ers, and how it goes with the Falcons, I could totally get that. I could totally get that. If you're on some shitty team with a below-average quarterback or a rookie quarterback, I could totally get it. I could, I would give, I would have more sympathy and empathy for you, but I don't because you're on a top tier team that is more than capable of reaching the AFC Championship game and potentially a Super Bowl. I mean, and also it would be a hell of a lot better for you if the Chargers, you know, they still won 10 games. They won 10 games despite you only rushing for over 100 yards twice. Add Browns 173 against the Rams, 122. And the Chargers still won 10 games because of Justin Herbert. You take Justin Herbert off the Chargers, we are a 4-2-4 to two to four win team because quarterback matters. Quarterbacks matter. You take Patrick Mahomes off the Chiefs, that's a 4-5-1 to five win team. You take Lamar Jackson away from the Ravens, they're not very good. That's why they paid him. You take any star quarterback, take Josh Allen off the Bills, that's not a very good team. They're not. So stop acting like you're on the, you're in the same situation as Saquon Barkley. You're not. I mean, Charger fans have to understand that. I mean, good grief. Like, what the hell are we doing? I had to listen the whole week to these great, smart people that cover the Chargers very well. But gosh, sure, I want everyone to make as much money as they can. But Austin Eckler is not in the same situation. So stop trying to compare the two. It makes me sick. It makes me sick. Because it's not realistic. You can't compare the two situations. You can't compare Derrick Henry's and Saquon Barkley's situation to Austin Eckler's. You can't do it. Austin Eckler is not the centerpiece of the Chargers offense. If you take Austin Eckler off the Chargers, is Justin Herbert worse? No, he's not. Is it sure? He's like a luxury item. It's like a luxury car. It's like a convertible. You don't need a convertible, but yeah, it's kind of nice on a sunny day. We don't need one. I mean, can we stop it with this bullcrap BS comparison? 
It's so stupid. We get so single-minded, it just drives me off the edge, and BSPN and all these mainstream sports networks are not helping the cause. Some of these dorks are going along right for the ride. I mean, I just named it at the top. The last five Super Bowl winners and their starting running backs, Isaiah Pacheco, 705000 Cam Akers, 890000 Leonard Fournette, $2.5 million, Damian Williams, $1.73 million, Sony Michelle, $1.75 million. Austin Eckler earned $6.25 million to add add incentives on top of that, he'll probably reach eight million or nine million. So what's the problem? What's the freaking problem? You requested a trade and how many teams were knocking down the door for you? None. No one. Free agency came and gone. Off season draft. No one wanted you. You'll play out the rest of your contract, and we'll see, and, and we'll find out who pays you in free agency. Because I'm pretty sure you're not gonna like what you get, unless you go to some shitty team like the Saints or the Panthers or the Texans or some team that's bottomed out. The Bears, teams that don't have a quarterback. Maybe, maybe they will. The Cardinals. Maybe they will. You're not going to a winning team. Winning teams, it's been proven. You can't. Can you name a single court a running back from the Patriots and that Tom Brady when they were winning? Do you remember Sony Michelle in 2019? You can't. I bet you couldn't remember Damian Williams from 2020. Could you remember any of the 49ers running backs outside of Christian McCaffrey before that when they reached the Super Bowl? D- no, yeah, no idea. You can't name him. What team is Leonard Fournette on now? Cam, I had no idea. What team is Cam Akers on? Yeah, I don't know. If he's still on the Rams, maybe. Sony Michelle, I have no idea. I think he might be. He might, he might be back on the Rams. But it was, you see where value of running backs drops is like driving a car off the lot. That's the way it goes. And these guys knew that coming in. Austin Eckler knew that when he when he joined the league, he knew what it, he knew what the situation was going to be. He knew what it was going to be. And if you're, you have to be blind or just no idea how football works to understand it's a quarterback, wide receiver, offensive line, tight end league. Why is that hard to understand? Why is that hard to understand? Like teams are not going out and paying quarterbacks for no damn reason. There's a reason why Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow are going to be the highest paid quarterbacks. There's a re- reason why Jalen Hurts... Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Matthew Stafford, Dak Prescott, who I think is overrated, but anyway, Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff. There's a reason why they've all gotten paid. That's the reason why Trevor Lawrence is going to get paid. There's the reason why C.J. Stroud, if he doesn't bust into a million flames, he'll get paid in the near future. That's why Deshaun Watson got the bag from the Browns. He hasn't played in two years. It's because quarterbacks don't deteriorate like running backs. Tom Brady played for 20, 20 plus years. You ever seen a running back play for 20 plus years? No, you haven't. The last franchise, the only franchise controlling running backs are Saquon Barkley and Derrick Henry. The last one before that was Adrian Peterson. 
the last running back to win MVP. So I can see the frustration from Derrick Henry and guys like Saquon Barkley, but from Austin Eckler, where you're just another cog in the system, stop it. And then you're running your mouth like you're the centerpiece of attention. No, you're not. The Chargers' offense is starts with Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Quinton Johnson, Joshua Palmer, Darius Davis, Jalen Guyton, Corey Lindsey, Rashawn Slater, Trey Pipkins, all down the list b- before they get to you. And I'm not saying Austin Eckler is not important, but we have to be realistic here. Stop trying to compare the two and they're not the same. It's ridiculous. There's a reason why the Jets went out and paid and traded for Aaron Rodgers. Can you name the Jets running back? So ridiculous. I really cannot stand it. I mean, good grief, guys. In 2020, the Chargers, when Austin Eckler got hurt, and when he had COVID, we had a guy named Kalen Balaj. You ever heard from him since? He did it pretty well. Have you ever heard of Isaiah Pacheco? Before he joined the Chiefs this season when he got drafted? What happened to that that running back they drafted in the first round? He's probably out of the league by now. Jesus. I mean, it's no it's, we gotta deal with the factual, the facts of the situation that we never do. We get caught up in these stupid feel bad for me headlines, and I'm sick and tired of it. It's total BS. Get with it. That's the way it works. And why is that hard for people to understand? Is it, it just mind-boggling to me. Because it's idiotic and simple-minded. Austin Eckler's situation is nowhere near Saquon Barkley and Derrick Henry's. Not even comparable. Totally on the opposite sides of the universe. And we have these ding-dongs trying to compare the two of them. Stop it. It's not going to work. I'm not going to let it work here because it's total BS. And on top of it, Austin Edgar starts piling on a bunch of stupid self-centered comments. You see the problem? I mean, I hear from people all the time, oh, you're just overreacting, bro. No, I'm not. You're not. You you are not utilized in similar fashion to Derrick Henry and Saquon Barkley where you, where you are the star of the offense. Austin Eckler is not the star of the offense of the Chargers. Not even close. There's a reason why Joshua Palmer makes more than you, or that he should make more than you, or Quentin Johnson should. If Justin Herbert gets hurt, or Keenan Allen gets hurt, or Mike Williams gets hurt, the season goes to shit. Look at that wild card game and that disaster. Mike Williams got hurt in that. It's a brand. It, don't even get me started. Got hurt in the in the meaningless game against the Broncos. Didn't wasn't able to play in the wild card game. The Chargers offense suffered. Meanwhile, oh wait, Austin Eckler was out there. Thirteen carries, thirty-five yards, and two touchdowns. Thank you to Asante Samuel Jr. for setting that up. Outside of that, Austin Eckler wasn't very wasn't very impactful. Where was that at? At least Saquon Barkley got his team a playoff win. Derrick Henry has playoff wins. Where is yours at, Austin Eckler? You don't have one because you're not you're not the centerpiece of attention. Stop trying to be it. If you want to go to some shitty team like the Texans, go ahead. 
be my guest. It would save everyone a lot of stress and me coming on here and ranting for half an hour about your stupid self-centered comments. Because I'm getting sick and tired of it. And he's, he's continuing now. He, he just won't shut up. Now he's holding press conferences on Zoom, doing a media circuit. No one cares. Anyone that understands or has a brain left understands your situation is not comparable. So stop it. Stop trying to trick everyone. Tom Telesco should not fall for it, and he hasn't. No other team has. If any other team in the league thought you were worth it, then they would have pulled the trigger. No one thinks you're worth a first-round pick. Evidently. Or you would have been traded. And I get it. If you want to go, go get some off-the-field endorsements, you're on there playing freaking video games on Twitch, get some money from that. You have plenty of advertisers. Why does the team have to pay you when you're not the centerpiece of attention on the offense? Total BS. Total BS. All right, so switching gears. ESPN released these crappy fantasy football quarterback rankings. And I ran across this last week and I about vomited in my mouth. The top seven is just embarrassing. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, and Justin Fields were listed above Justin Herbert. And Patrick Mahomes, hey, Great quarterback, has two Super Bowls. I get all that. I'm not going to sit here and try to disrespect Patrick Mahomes. But at worst, Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert have the same level of football IQ. Herbert has a stronger arm. QBR is the same. Accuracy the same. And Mahomes got lucky with an offensive-driven head coach compared to getting stuck with Anthony Lynn, who can't remember the freaking time on the play clock. And then Brandon Staley, who... Went from being aggressive in 2021 to being having a stick of his we're in in year two. And a defense, you know, just guys that aren't really poor time management, poor game management. You've put Pat Justin Herbert on the Chiefs. You, I don't think the Chiefs would skip a beat. You've put Patrick Mahomes on the Chargers. I don't think the Chargers skip a beat. So I don't think you know, people can say, call me a homer, like I give it a shit. I think there is some comparison. They're pretty much the same. QBR, accuracy, arm strength. Give the edge of Justin Herbert. Football IQ, about the same. Not complicated. Josh Allen, Justin Herbert. I've caught on this about the, the, the media that loves to hump onto the Josh Allen fanboy train is just ridiculous. It's the East Coast classic media. Justin Herbert, like, at worst, is on the same level. Arm strength, QBR, or better completion percentage, yards, a better leader. Josh Allen got chewed out by his star receiver, Stephon Diggs, in a playoff game. Heck, coach made a deal out of it. Do you see anyone in the Chargers getting outside of smart-ass Austin Eckler? Do you see Keenan Allen... Mike Williams, Joshua Palmer, Jalen Guyton, do you see any of Gerald Everett? Do you ever see any of them chewing out their quarterback? Do you ever see Justin Herbert getting chewed out by any of those guys? You don't. 
So Josh Allen being number two again, it's laughable. Every every big moment he's been he's been in he's been in whatever it's the AFC Championship game, divisional games, home playoff game against the Bengals and a snowstorm that should favor you, craps the bed. And and Madden like Madden for example, they're trying to shove it down our throats to put him on the cover. Like the Josh Allen propaganda is ridiculous. I, I, I he's obviously talented. But can we stop with the narrative humping of Josh Allen? Sick. Jalen Hurts, I need to see more. Had a good season last year. Got to the Super Bowl. ESPN's giving him his flowers. And for good reason, he played well in that game. But Cam Newton won league MVP and reached the Super Bowl. And no one gives him any credit. No one gives Cam Newton credit. The first thing out of some asshole's mouth, that's some ass smart ass expert, NFL expert is, well, Cam Newton's passing percentage wasn't good enough. Wasn't a team player. Wasn't a leader. Hey, well, he won league MVP and reached the Super Bowl. No one gives him credit. Justin Herbert is a better passer. QBR is better. Completion percentage better. Jalen Hurts had one good season. Let's see if he can do it again. Because if he, you know, if we want to play the game, well, he reached the Super Bowl. All right, well, Cam won league MVP and Reached the Super Bowl. No one gives any. No one gives him any credit. They just criticize him. So Jalen Hurts, if you do it again and get the Eagles to the Super Bowl, fine. If you put Justin Herbert on the Eagles, I don't think you're going to see much of a difference. It might be even better. Joe Burrow, definitely talented. Reached a Super Bowl, but similar to Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, the talent at worst is the same. Herbert has a much better arm strength. And it's more accurate. And since ESPN or BSPN likes creating a fake stat, QB wins, Justin Herbert is 1-0 against Joe Burrow. Did you know that? Did you know that Justin Herbert's 1-0 against everyone's lover boy, Joe Burrow, who people think is the next Tom Brady? Yeah, well, QB wins is apparently a stat now, and Justin Herbert's 1-0. What about that? How about them apples? 41-22 demolish. Demolition of the Bengals? 317 yards, three touchdowns, 74 completion percentage from Justin Herbert. Joe Burrow threw two interceptions. You don't hear any of that from ESPN, do you? From BSPN. That that ruins the narrative. Uh oh, don't ruin the narrative. Narrative police. Don't don't ruin the narrative. Don't let don't God forbid you name some facts. You list some facts. Justin Herbert has a is one and zero against Joe Burrow. Whoa! You don't you don't hear that from BSPN. Do you hear that coming from Stephen A. Smith's mouth or Skip Bayless's mouth or these other NFL experts, quote unquote? You don't hear, do you? Yeah, yeah, because it ruins the narrative. It ruins the Joe Burrow's, the next Tom Brady, the next superstar narrative. Up next, Lamar Jackson, ultra talented league MVP, outside of Justin Herbert and Cam Newton, one of my favorite players to watch. But Herbert is a better overall passer. QBR and completion percentage are better. Lamar's passing stats have dipped since winning the MVP in 2019 when he was remarkable. At worst, Herbert and Lamar are the same. But since he has an MVP, and I'll give him credit for that, 
unlike people give Cam Newton that credit. I wouldn't be offended if he gave Lamar Jackson the nod because he actually has a personal accomplishment. He deserves it. Now, I, I people are getting ESPN and all these mainstream pundits are getting ex- pumped up about the the potential of OBJ and you know the Ravens' new offensive coordinator Todd Munkin coming over from college. You know, passing game is going to be better. The passing game, the offense is going to explode. Let's see if OBJ Odo Beckham Jr. can play more than eight games. Can he stay healthy? Can we see him stay healthy? Because the only move Odo Beckham Jr. can do at a high level, and this is no disrespect, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but grabbing his knee and laying on the field injured is kind of it's what he's been known for. Or bitching about Baker Mayfield's shitty passes. Let's see how it goes. The Ravens paid him a lot of money, $15 million on top up, reaching up to $18 million based on incentives. Let's see how it goes. Can OBJ play 12 games? Can he play the whole season without getting hurt? Obviously, knick-knack injuries are, can't control that. Some of it's just unlucky, but let's see. Because if Odo Beckham Jr. goes down injured, we're going to be right back in the same situation, which is, hey, Lamar, what's up? And I get it. I, I gave him his respect. He can great runner of the football, game changer, can throw the ball at a high level. Almost as good as Cam Newton did once upon a time when he won league MVP and reached a Super Bowl. But, at, at, but Justin Herbert's a better passer, so at worst, I'll put him at the same. But if you want to give uh, Lamar the benefit of the doubt for winning league MVP, then fine. So I have no problem with that, with Lamar Jackson being above him. But here's where I start getting pissed off. This is where I fell out of my chair when I was watching or reading these rankings. Justin Fields at number six above Justin Herbert and Trevor Lawrence is ridiculous. Justin Fields had a 59.7 completion percentage last season, 24 touchdowns, 21 picks, a 5-20 record, not even a discussion. Justin Herbert is light years ahead in every category, QBR, yards, completion percentage, wins, leadership, accuracy, Fields is a much better runner, which is not a compliment because your job is to throw the football. And Justin Fields is objectively terrible at doing so. He did not win a game until October 24th against the Patriots. The Bears were 0-8. Justin Fields had five games where he did not throw an interception. Outside of that, it was either two or one interception per game. Deer in headlights when he has to throw the football. He can't, he's deer in headlights. Anytime he has to line up and throw the football, it won't happen. Sometimes they'll run a run and play. I didn't watch a lot of Bears football, but if you go pull up their highlights, not impressive. Justin Fields, I watched him that Monday night game against the Patriots, and they actually won. Still not impressed. I mean, good grief. You beat the Patriots. I don't have a quarterback either. Mac Jones or whoever the third string quarterback is. 
I mean, good grief. Let's look at let's look at Justin Fields' game log from last season. At Lions, 41 to 10. 7 for 21, 75 yards. Disaster. He threw two picks against the Packers, 0 for 2. He threw 0 for 2 against the Texans. Yeah, I mean, this guy is not it. A 60.4 completion percentage. Terrible. 25 touchdowns, 21 picks for his career. And we're putting that guy above Justin Herbert. That is pathetic. Absolutely pathetic. You're, you're comparing, so you're putting Justin Justin Fields above Justin Herbert, who has 14,089 career yards, 94 touchdowns, 35 picks, a 66.9 completion percentage for his career compared to a guy that has 59.7 completion percentage for his career, 4,112 yards, 24 touchdowns, 21 picks. That's the guy. That's the guy you're taking Justin Herbert. That you're taking over Justin Herbert. I mean, officially, fantasy football nerds and those morons that play that stupid, idiotic game don't know what they're talking about. Like, I don't know if it's some freaking 15-year-old obsessed with Justin Fields that he can run the ball. Your job is to throw the football. I mean, you have some nerd in his basement looking at Justin Fields' runs. Yeah, congrats. He started off the season 0-8. You can't throw the football. Terrible pocket presence. Terrible QBR. Deer in the headlights. He's not that guy. And I'm starting to notice the trend of these Ohio State quarterbacks. Not very good. We'll see how C.J. Stroud turns out. But putting him even above Justin Herbert and Trevor Lawrence is, is a complete disgrace. That is an abomination. I would love to meet the idiots that think Justin Fields is a better quarterback than Justin Herbert. Are you kidding me? Justin Fields should not even be sniffing the top 10, not even the top 20. I mean, that is ridiculous. Justin Fields is not better than the following quarterbacks. Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, Aaron Rodgers, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Matthew Stafford, Dak Prescott, Daniel Jones, Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff, Ryan Tannehill, Geno Smith, Jimmy Garoppolo, Bryce Young. I'll put Bryce Young above him right now. Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert. I'll put two above him too. Two is at least competent. Andy Dalton. There we go. Justin Fields is not better than any of those quarterbacks. That is a joke. So these idiots that ranked him above Justin Herbert and Trevor Lawrence specifically, that is a crime. That is a disgrace. And it proves once again these fantasy football nerds don't know what they're doing. Like ESPN's Department for Fantasy Football should be embarrassed for releasing that. That's why I call them BSPN. Total BS. 
I mean, that is pathetic. Anyone that objectively and under, has any elementary understanding of football and appreciation for NFL football should realize that is a that is a joke. That is a joke. I mean, you have got to be kidding me. That is not a legitimate ranking. Any ranking that has Justin Fields above Justin Herbert and Trevor Lawrence, that should be non that, that, that should be thrown in the garbage. That should be burned. That is that is embarrassing. I mean ESPN should be ashamed of themselves for releasing that. How in the world can you have a guy that has twenty four touchdowns, twenty one picks, a five and twenty record above a quarterback that's made the playoffs? How do you do that? Two quarterbacks that made the playoffs. Seriously? Like, what are fans doing? How in the world can you watch Justin Fields play football, whether it's during the game or highlights, and be like, yeah, this guy's really good? Justin Herbert, you knew immediately from his first start against the Chiefs in 2020 that he looked like he'd been playing for seven years. Justin Fields looks like a rookie that's deer in headlights, has no idea what to do. And that's that's who you put above Justin Herbert and Trevor Lawrence? That is pathetic. And I don't want to hear from these Ohio State or Chicago Bear Chicago Bear fans don't even like him. I don't want to hear from these college football jerk-offs that think Justin Fields is a good quarterback. He was good in college. But NFL, he's not he's not shown any signs of competence. He had one good game, and these people go nuts. ESPN has a jerk-off contest for Justin Fields being a top-ten quarterback. Total nonsense. Like, when I saw that this weekend, I vomited. I mean, that is ridiculous. How in the world can you be a respectable organization, a sports network, and release that shitty ranking? I mean, you have got to be kidding me. If that ranking was released and, and, and that person worked for me, they would be fired. And I don't advocate for people losing their jobs, but that clown should be fired. The fans that voted for this ranking, anyone that participated in that voting, should be banned from watching football ever again. Justin Fields hasn't done jack shit in the NFL to deserve being even near the top 20, even near the top 10. A 5 and 20 record, a 59% completion percentage for his career. And you put, really? What are we doing? Because he can run well? Well, congrats. You want to go play running back and go do it. I mean, this is pathetic. I mean, that, I mean, that is embarrassing. That is objectively embarrassing. ESPN should be ashamed of themselves. BSPN. At it again. Can't help themselves, can they? Absolute disgrace. All right, so switching gears. The Chargers run defense the last two years, 2021 and 2022, 
even in 2020, were pathetic. So they've got to be better in 2023. In 2021, and losses to the Cowboys, Ravens, Patriots, Vikings, Broncos, Chiefs, Texans, Raiders. The rush defense is garbage. Couldn't stop an old beat-up Zeke Elliott. The Ravens' four-string running back had a field day. I mean, Le'Veon Bell had two touchdowns or whatever it was, that washed-up guy. The Vikings were an ice formation the entire game and fat and flat out ran over Linval Joseph and freaking Jerry Tillery and Kenneth Murray with his stupid spin moves. Just a, that, that was a disaster. Then you had the day after Christmas massacre against the Texans when Rex Burkhead almost reached 200 yards. I mean, with freaking Davis Mills at quarterback. That was a disaster. Looked unprepared to play. That, that was a total beatdown. That was a 41-29 stopping by the Texans and Rex Burkhead. Total. That was, a, that was pathetic. That was a disaster. And then you had the Raiders disaster and a de facto playoff game. Couldn't stop a single, a simple single back draw play. Couldn't stop an entire game. Josh Jacobs couldn't do anything with him. Meanwhile, Justin Herbert's going crazy for 385 yards, bringing the team back, got us to overtime with five back-to-back, fourth-down, just Superman plays, lose that game, get knocked out of the playoffs. The run defense is horrible. It's been terrible. In 2021, the Chargers faced one of the highest rushes for the entire season, 509. Teams that were higher were the Jets, Falcons, Lions, and Texans. We gave up 22 rushing touchdowns, third to worst in front of the Jets and Texans. Last season, in notable losses to the Chiefs, Jaguars, Seahawks, 49ers, and Raiders, the Chargers could not stop a seventh-round draft pick Pacheco for making us look stupid. Outside of the refs cheating. Anyway, the Jaguars did whatever they wanted. They did ran up the middle, left, right, trick plays, jet sweeps, couldn't stop anything. That was a disaster of a game. We got crushed. I think it was like 38 to 10. Justin Herbert's ribs were destroyed in that game. Total, total. That was a, that was a disaster. The Seahawks game was an absolute clown show. Kenneth Murray had a career day of doing nothing. Terrible. The stupid spin moves were out in full force that day. He was running out the wrong, wrong lane. Kenneth Walker, the running back from the Seahawks, had a career day. He was making Kenneth Murray look stupid. Made the whole defense look stupid. That was a disaster. We got crushed in that game. 37-23. The whole defense looked unprepared to play. Geno Smith had a field day, looked comfortable. Then on top of it, I had to listen to freaking Mark Sanchez jerking off the Pete Carroll entire game. That was a terrible disaster. And then you got the Raiders. Josh Jacobs did whatever he wanted. And even in the game against the Browns when we won, Nick Chubb, it felt like average 30 yards per carry. It was an, it was an abomination. The run defense was middle of the road and facing run plays, but had the highest yards per carry at 
0.4. Teams in the ballpark similar to us were the Giants, Lions, Packers, and Texans. Total rushing touchdowns given up. Middle of the road. Teams slightly worse. Raiders, Texans, Lions, and Colts. That We've got to be better on defense. Rush de- the run defense has to be better. Because it's been a pathetic disaster. Last season was a mess. Browns was a mess, even in a win. It's been, it's been a disaster for the last three years. We've got to do a much better job. Eric, we added Eric Kendricks. Joey Boza, got to play better. Khalil Mack, got to play better. Austin Johnson, got to play better. Sebastian Joseph Day, best run stuffer on the team on the D-line. You've got to play better. You did it with the Rams in that Super Bowl season. You can do it with us. We play a lot of teams that can run the football. Dolphins. Titans. Derrick Henry. Add Vikings. Raiders. Cowboys. Add Chiefs. Bears. Jets. Lions. Packers. Ravens. They run the air out of the football. Quarterback and running back. Patriots. They always can run the ball no matter who's that quarterback. Broncos, Raiders, Bills, Broncos, Chiefs. We got to be able to stop the run. If you want to have any Super Bowl team that's competent, can at least stop a single draw play. A simple lineup, eye formation play, run up the middle, you got to be able to stop it. And we cannot stop that. Morgan Fox, Kenneth Murray, it better be his damn last season. Like if Kenneth Murray, Kenneth, if Kenneth Murray does not play better, he better be out the door. And he's lucky if you'll even be in the league ever again, because he's been a clown show ever since he's been drafted. He sucks. You need to play better. And secondary, the tackling needs to be better. J.C. Jackson, Michael Davis, Asante Samuel Jr., Alahi Gilman, gotta tackle better. Duran James, I ain't worried about him. In the secondary, when it comes to tackling, Duran James don't give a damn. Duran James will show up and he will shut someone down. He will kick someone's ass. I have no concerns about Duran James. He'll show up every week. He he does the dirty work. He'll 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 lay someone out. He'll lay the wood on some fool. I'm not worried about Duran James, but when it comes to the other guys. Morgan Fox has his moments, needs to be more consistent. Sebastian Joseph Day, he's had his moments, needs to be more consistent. Hopefully Eric Kendricks, who is pretty good at run rush defense in his career, fits Brandon Staley's defensive game plan, needs to play better. I know Derek Ansley, the de facto defense coordinator, he's been upgraded, he's been preaching aggressiveness, don't be a bitch, essentially. You got to be out. If you want to win, you got to go out and play tough defense. You cannot let teams demoralize you by running out the clock and running through like 10 cans, like 10 foil. It's easy. Like, I don't know why teams last season didn't run more. Like, at the Browns, what the hell are you doing? The Arizona Cardinals, when we came back and had when Justin Herbert pulled that game out of the, out of the hat, 
Cardinals, you're running through us like no one's business. James Conner had a career day. They just quit running the ball. Part of that's Cliff Kingsbury's stupidness. The reason why he got fired, that idiot. Browns, they stopped running the ball. Teams just quit running the ball. In, in games that we lost in the Seahawks game, they kept running the ball. The 49ers, Raiders, the second matchup, they kept running the ball. These teams that stopped running the ball, the Titans, stop running the ball. You have freaking Derrick Henry. What are you doing? And two, we so we got to be better. Or the NFL team, these teams should not be afraid to run the ball against us. And we have good players on defense. If you want to be a legitimate AFC contender, you got to put some skin in the game. Cleo Mack, Joey Boza, you got to be able to do it. Eric Kendricks, Austin Johnson, he had flashes. You got to keep, you got to be more consistent. In the secondary, like I said, it, it all needs to be one joint effort. And I'm not saying you got to be Duran James. Duran James is a different animal, but you got to bring that same type of energy. You've got to do it. If you want to be a respectable playoff team, a respectable Super Bowl contender, AFC title contender, you've got to play physical, no-nonsense defense. And at times, over the last three years, you can go farther back than that. The Chargers have had good defensive players. We just can't get guys to be consistent enough. And that starts with setting the tone. Duran James. You got to set the tone. Got to set the tone week one. We're not putting up with this crap. Joey Boza, got to set the tone. You've got to do it. If it doesn't happen, you're not going to be a successful playoff team. If if the defense, run run defense, the rush defense does not improve, I'm going to keep coming back on here and repeating myself. If it doesn't improve, you don't stand a chance. Any team that's competent, you don't have to be great at it. You just can't be bottom five in the league. Teams the last two years have not been afraid of running the ball against us. Teams that are smart. Pete Carroll in that Seahawks game, he knew exactly what to do. Kenneth Walker, go have a field day against them. Browns started off doing that and they quit. So if you're the Chargers, if you're Duran James on defense, and you want to win, and you want to be respectable Super Bowl contenders, AFC title contenders, you've got to play defense. And it has to start from training camp that opens this week. Opens on Wednesday. It starts with first day on training camp and starts at the preseason, and it needs to be set before the first game of the year. Because if not, we're gonna we're gonna end up having the same problems we've had, we've been we've been having. Someone's got to do. Someone's got to step up and be the leader on the team. Because if not, we're gonna we're we're gonna look pathetic. And until that the tone changes, it's not gonna improve. So it has to start week one against the Dolphins. Needs to start on training camp on Wednesday and needs to be the tone throughout the postseason or the preseason. I don't care. And I don't care who it is. Guys have got to step up. 
got to step up and tackle. Cannot be scared and do your job. You're on defense. Hit someone. All right, so switching gears to some NBA talk. Should Luka Doncic leave the Mavericks after this season? The Mavericks re-signed Kyrie Irving on a three-year, $126 million contract with an out after two. And I said it before, and I hate to be a broken record, but the Lakers should have signed and taken a swing at Kyrie, who worked best with LeBron James. The Lakers need a score in close games. Austin Reeves, great player, good player. He's not Kyrie Irving. Like, I really wish BSPN and all these NBA experts, who I enjoy listening to, by the way, but we got to slow it down with Austin Reeves. Can we stop acting like Austin Reeves is like Stephen Curry or some top 10 player in the league? He's a good complimentary player. He's a good cog in the system. Do you think Austin Reeves is playing like that in the Spurs or the Pacers? No. He's a decent role player on a decent team. And if you're the Lakers, you should have taken a swing at Kyrie. You are right now currently the second best team in the Western Conference. You looked small. You looked average against the Nuggets. You were right there but you're missing scoring in the clutch moments. And you just the four games. What do they need? Kyrie Irving. And I'm not saying they would have won the series, but you, you would have won two games, potentially would have made it a seven-game series. But you didn't. What team gave the Nuggets the most headaches? Suns scoring. The Lakers have the defense. They got AD. They got LeBron. You need players that can score. Kyrie's that guy. You need, you need a score maker. You need a playmaker. The duo of Luka and Kyrie was a small sample size, and I get it, but they were 5-11 and 11 when they played together. It was horrendous. After the trade deadline, the Mavericks fell from the 4-5 and five seed to out of the playoffs, losing to the Kings, T-Wolves, Nuggets, Lakers, Pacers, Suns, Pelicans, Grizzlies three times, Warriors, Hornets twice, Heat, 76ers, Bulls, and Spurs. Did that work? And if you're Luka, ever since he's been with the Mavericks, they've lost in the first round of the uh, first round of the playoffs, first round, lost in the conference finals. Missed the playoffs last year. Pretty much tanked last season. I'm sitting back and I'm like, what the hell is this? What the hell is this garbage? You traded away Jalen Brunson just to bring in Kyrie Irving. It's a joke. And Jalen Brunson looked like a star because the Mavericks didn't want to pay him. If I'm if I'm Luka Doncic and they were close, they were close to each other, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of pissed. I'm like, dude, yeah, you traded my guy away to the Knicks. So let him walk. And the Mavericks roster is average and their offensive style needs to change from your turn, my turn, the ball movement. Luka, Kyrie, Seth Curry added him, not a bad addition. Tim Hardaway Jr., good player, but I've kind of seen enough of him. 
Need a, like we're, we're really going to run that out again. JaVale McGee's had his time. Dwight Powell, decent, okay player. They added in Grant Williams. They got Josh Green. This is not a great roster. I mean, Grant Williams got pushed, shoved out of the rotation from the Celtics. Joe Mazzulla got there and said, I'm not impressed. And when Joe Mazzulla is a, we're not even sure about his future in the NBA. Because there are times where he looked lost. The Mavericks roster is not great. It's not great. And the offense, that philosophy, if your turn, my turn, hey, Kyrie, your turn, you go drop 50 tonight. Luka, go stand in the corner. Luka's the best player on that team. You, and, and both of them don't play any defense. So that's another problem. That's why they got steamrolled in the second half of the season after the trade deadline. I just, they lost to the Grizzlies, who are, not, who are an overrated team. They lost them three times. Lost to the Hornets twice w- without LaMelo. If the Mavericks miss the playoffs or fail to reach the Western Conference Finals, which is very possible again, Kings, Timberwolves, Pelicans, Grizzlies, Thunder, Rockets, who I believe have a chance to make the play-in tournament, sneaking as eight seed, they're all better than the Mavericks. They're either better or on the same level. Nuggets, Lakers, Clippers, Suns, and Warriors are definitely for sure better than the Mavericks. Luka should consider requesting a trade even though he has three years left in his contract with a player option for the fourth year. I'm requesting a trade because the Western Conference is loaded and what's the Mavericks' future? Like, what are we doing here? We're going to do Kyrie Irving for three years? Will Kyrie Irving even be here at the trade deadline this upcoming season? Because God knows what Kyrie Irving's going to do. He'll go on some excursion. He'll take a break. He'll go on a sabbatical, the India or the Vietnam. Who the hell knows? He'll just get, but he wants that paycheck. And the Mavericks got kind of screwed because they didn't have a choice. You got to let Kyrie walk for nothing after you let Jalen Brunson walk the summer before. I, I don't see the Mavericks' future. I don't see it. Not impressive the roster. They made some decent moves, but is it earth-shattering? Is it going to take down the Warriors, Nuggets, Lakers, Suns, and Clippers? No way. You have no chance. It's not even good. I'm not, I, I, I would favor the Kings in a seven-game series. I would favor the Timberwolves in a seven-game series. And I, and I am not a big Carl Anthony Towns fan. Pelicans, I would give them the edge. Grizzlies, not a big fan. A lot of talk. Maybe Marcus Smart will improve that team. I would favor the Grizzlies. Thunder, Rockets. The it's a it's a great possibility the Mavericks could miss the playoffs again. They very well could. And and I think Luke is a very good player. He can score the basketball like no one's business. So if I'm Luca, I'm looking at Lakers, Knicks, Heat. Those are the teams that he should keep an eye on and everyone else should based on his relationships with LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Jalen Brunson, former teammate, close friend. He has connections with Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo. 
if the Heat don't get if the Miami Heat don't complete the Damian Lillard trade, which they should, need to speed it up. If I'm Luca, I'm looking at Lakers, Knicks, and Heat. Who knows? Maybe Knicks. They get Joel Embiid, Jalen Brunson, and a Luka big three. Possible. The Knicks have all the pieces. They got all the draft capital. They got the assets. Luka to the Lakers. LeBron and AD. Or if the Lakers move off of AD, who knows? It's very possible. It's very possible. And if I'm Luka, looking at talking to Mark Cuban and the Mavericks and Jason Kidd, the head coach, What's our direction? What's our purpose here? What are we doing? Resign Kyrie, got Grant Williams, Seth Curry. What are we doing? What's the direction of the team? What's the direction of this franchise? We tanked the last two weeks of the season last year. What's the move? Our off-season free agency period wasn't terrible, but it wasn't great either. I don't know. I'm Luka Doncic. I'm thinking about it. I am keeping my eyeballs, my ears open. I'm looking around the landscape of the NBA Western Conference, and I'm like, yeah. What chance do we really have? The West is loaded, and Mavericks, they could easily miss the playoffs once again. All right, so transitioning to Joel Embiid. Should he leave the 76ers? And there's been a lot of discussion, a lot of, and I've brought it up a few times about the 76ers and how they've underachieved despite having a top five player in the league in Joel Embiid. If the 76ers are serious about reaching the NBA Finals and becoming legitimate championship contenders, they should be on the phone with the Trailblazers Asking what they want for Damon Lillard. They should they should be Daryl Morey should be doing that right now. And I've said it over and over again. If the 76ers want to be taken serious and get past the second round of the playoffs for the first time since 2001, I'm on the phone with the Blazers right now asking what they want for, for Damian Lillard. Tyrese Maxey, Tobias Harris, trade James Harden to the Clippers. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. A Joel Embiid and Damian Lillard duo along with shooters would make the 76ers favorites favorites in the Eastern Conference. Because the Celtics would be worse. I think they're worse after trading for Brzingis and shipping out Marcus Smart. The Heat, they would be screwed if they don't complete the Damian Lillard trade because Gabe Vincent and Max Strews are gone. Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo can't do it by themselves. And the Bucks, they're bringing back the same core. Giannis, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, Brooke Lopez, and Bobby Portis. Can Chris Middleton stay healthy? Hasn't been the same since the championship run in 2021. And Drew Holiday, he, he's pretty much has come out and said that he's done after the contract. Like when that contract's up, he's retiring. The 76ers have a window and a chance to become the leaders in the Eastern Conference. They have a chance. You have Joel Embiid. You have a top five player in the league. He won his league MVP. 
get past the second round. This has been the 76ers since 2017. Lost in the second round. Lost in the second round. Lost in the first round. 2019, lost in the second round. 2020, lost in the second round again. And last season, lost in the second round. It's not good enough. I mean, Tyrese Max, he's a good player. I don't want to hear the BS from Daryl Morey in the 76ers organization. Tyrese Maxey is off the table. He is a good player. But he's not Damian Lillard. Sure, he's younger, and the contract for Damian Lillard is not friendly. But, damn it, you're trying to win a freaking NBA championship. Is that your goal? Joel Embiid is trying to win a championship immediately. He's not trying to wait for Tyrese Maxey to develop. And Tyrese Maxey is a good player. He's on the Tyler Hero player a level, averaging about 20 points a game. But I'm taking Dame Lillard. Damian Lillard's better than Tyrese Maxey right now. Dame can get you 50 in his sleep. Joel Embiid alongside Damian Lillard, that's a hell of a duo. And they should be doing their damnness to make sure the Miami Heat don't get him. Because if the Miami Heat get him, with that, with that big three of Jimmy Butler, Dame, and Bam. Good luck to the 76ers. Same thing for the Celtics. If I'm one, if I'm serious about competing for a championship, I'm going after Dame also. I mean, like, like Philadelphia. What are you doing? What in the world are we doing? Like, what are you doing? If I, if I'm Joel Embiid and if, and if the if that team stays the same with James Harden, Joel, Tyrese Maxey, Tobias Harris, and Mo, they added Mo Bamba, congratulations, Patrick Beverly, Montrez Harrell, and P.J. Tucker, and Paul Reed, and Daniel House. I'm requesting a trade. I'm requesting a trade. And the Knicks are standing in the shadows they're they're lurking in the in the shadows because Joel Embiid is close to a few in, individuals in the Knicks front office. His agent has connections to the Knicks, and I know the Knicks have been the backside of jokes in the free agency period, but they're a legitimate threat. They're a legitimate threat. So if the 76ers don't get it together, and don't get their act straight and get serious about being a championship contender. You have a once in a generation player and he's a center. Centers don't stay healthy forever. Look at Shaq. He hit a wall after the Lakers dynasty. After that run with the Miami Heat in 2006, he wasn't the same. Joel Embiid has injuries out the wazoo. Can't stay healthy. He's always knacked, knick-knack injuries by the time the playoffs come. You need to take an op. You need, you need to tackle and pounce on this opportunity that you have. So what are you waiting for? The championship window is open right now. Dame is requesting a trade, and I know it's not the Miami Heat. But if you're the, if you're the Seventy Sixers, take advantage of it. You can trade them Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris tomorrow. Whatever else they want. James Harden doesn't want to be there either. 
Get James Harden out of there. I'm taking Damian Lillard over James Harden any day of the week. If James Harden wants to go to the freaking Clippers, let him go. And I know Dara Morey has a hard-on for, for, uh, for James Harden, but come on. Is it worth it? And the 76ers have totally botched this window of Joel Embiid. From the Brett Brown days of getting beaten in the first round, from getting beaten in the second round, Doc Rivers not getting past the second round, the 2019 collapse and they had Jimmy Baller in the building and when Ben Simmons was competent. And in this past season, in game six against the Celtics, he was pathetic in the second half. In game seven, he had 15 points. So, so Joel Embiid's not innocent in all this. But the 76ers have played a negative a negative role in getting this team over the hump. It's inexcusable. You had a golden opportunity. That 76ers roster was you can make the argument was on the at, at worst the same with the Celtics. They should have beaten the Celtics. They had them up down 3-2. The Bucks were knocked out of the equation. You didn't have to deal with Giannis. You didn't have to deal with the Bucks. Yet you didn't have to deal with them, and you blew it. The other threats were the Knicks and the Miami Heat. You blew it. And Damian Lillard requests a trade. He puts it out there in front of the street that he's available, and you instead take the opposite route and say, eh, we're not trading Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris. We're good. We'll just run it back and get beat in the second round again. Seriously? If I'm a 76ers fan, I'm flipping out. I'm like, we're going we're gonna to really do this again? We're going to run the Tobias Harris experiment out again? We're going to do the, we're, we're the Jabal and B. Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris experiment with P.J. Tucker bricking corner three-pointers in that shitty contract? Total BS. And we're gonna trust James Harden. James Harden literally requested a trade, and we're not gonna we're not gonna honor that. Seriously, it's it's a joke. And I know NBA people love Daryl Morey, but what exactly has he accomplished? And I get it, the whole MIT analytics, two threes are better than twos. No kidding, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. And for people, for people act like he created James Harden. James Harden was already pretty good coming off the bench of the Thunder. That's why the Rockets traded for him. So, and I feel like Darren Morey lets his personal feelings for players get in the way. He's let his personal feelings with James Harden get in the way. And at some point, people have to get uncomfortable and state the facts. This the, Every team Darryl Morey has overseen, every team James Harden has been a part of, has underachieved. They underachieved. They flamed out with Dwight Howard. They flamed out with Chris Paul. It was a disaster with the one year of Westbrook. Flamed out. He torpedoed his situa- the situation in Brooklyn. And he's trying to blow it up with the 76ers. If you're Darren Morey, you got to sit 
James Harden down and be real with him. But he won't do it. Because if you dare cross James Harden, he'll get pissy with you and he'll demand a trade. Look at it right now. He he He's insulted by a contract extension. He's, he opted into the one year and he's mad. Once a trade. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, if you're the 76ers, how much of this crap are you going to take? I mean, I've been done with James Harden for a while now. I've been done. I mean, he's a great player, great talented player. He's, but, like, is he a winning championship player? No. And he's been given pass after pass after pass. Whether it was with Rockets, Chris Paul got hurt, or Dwight Howard's immature. Westbrook's not a leader. Or the, the Brooklyn Nets situation. Vibes in Brooklyn. KD was coming off an uh, Achilles. Kyrie's not that guy. Takes sabbaticals. The 76ers. Well, James Harden's an older player. He's an older player. He's older. He can only play good once a week. Which one is it? How many more times are we going to do this? I'm done. I am, I've been done with James Harden. And if I'm Javon Bede, and if I want to be, and if I want to win a championship, I'm demanding a trade. And I'm, if I'm the Knicks, I'm pouncing on it. Because the 76ers refuse to pounce on any opportunities. It's a disgrace. It really is a disgrace. If I'm Javon Bede, I'm, I'm ticked off. I'm like, why the hell are we not trading for Damian Lillard? Who gives a shit how James Harden feels? Who cares how you feel about him? I mean, Darren Morey, what the hell are you doing? You have a golden opportunity to go after Damian Lillard to keep him away from the Miami Heat because if the Miami Heat get him, they are, they, they complete the trade, they are championship contenders. If they don't get Dame, they're screwed. The same thing for the Celtics. But if I'm the 76ers, and if you want to compete with the Bucks, who pretty much have one or at most two years left for that core, you got to go get Dane. And if it means giving up Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris, who gets paid a quadrillion amount of do- dollars to score 12 points a game and a couple of draft picks and then shipping James Harden out, what's the deal? Jeez Louise. I mean, like it's like it's a clown circus, absolute clown circus when it doesn't need to be. I mean, if I'm if I'm Joel Embiid, I'm pissed. I'm just saying it. Alrighty, that is it for this edition of Opinions All Day. I will see you guys next time. Welcome, folks, to another edition of Opinions All Day. And this week, I will be covering why the 2023 season is a big one for Brands Daily. I will announce my amendments to my Chargers game-by-game predictions. 
I'll give my thoughts on Jalen Brown's historical contract and James Harden's comments on players demanding trades. But I start off the show with major news last week, not surprising news. Justin Herbert's massive contract extension, five years, $262.5 million, averaging out to $42.3 million when including the two years left in his contract. Uh, because the official number is $52.5 million per year, but when you include the last two years of the contract, it technically averages out to $43.2 million. And, you know, th- 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 this was a very easy decision for the Chargers. Um, Justin Herbert, without a question, deserves the extension based on his importance to the Chargers. He's ultra-talented, has a strong arm, he's accurate, He's smart, a great leader, and and the stats back it up. When when you look at his career stats, 14,089 yards, a 66.9 completion percentage, 94 touchdowns, 35 interceptions. He is without question a valuable and a foundation piece for the Chargers. And I've got and I've said it before. There was no debate the Chargers were going to play hardball or, you know, attempt to be like, hey, Justin, we'll play, we'll, we'll pay you next offseason. Because I remember I brought up a story earlier this, um, this summer that the sports media was asking Justin Herbert questions during minicamp if he was going to, uh, you know, conduct a hold in or hold out and not show up to camp because the contract wasn't signed yet. That was never going to happen. That was never going to happen. You can criticize the Spanos family for a lot. They have a lot of family drama. They get accused for some reason that they're cheap. When it comes to top talent, they will pay over in some situations, in most situations, overpay talent. They paid Phillip Rivers. They paid LT. They paid Sean Marion. They've paid important players. They will continue to pay important players. They paid Duran James. They take a little while. Whether some drama, not really, maybe. They paid him. Highest paid safety in the league. They offered J.C. Jackson a major contract. With a smart move, we'll find out this season. But they paid him. They're going to pay Rashawn Slater. And there, it was, there was no question they were going to pay Justin Herbert because the quarterback is the foundation piece of any franchise. In order for you to be a legitimate Super Bowl contender and to build your franchise, you got to have a quarterback. When you, look, when you look at all these sucky teams in the draft that don't have a quarterback, what do they do? They go draft a quarterback with, with the first pick every single time. If you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a direction, and it's important that you hammer that down. Look at the Dolphins of Tua. They didn't quite hammer down the quarterback position as they wanted. The owner wanted Tua. Brian Flores wanted Justin Herbert. And Tua has turned out to have injury problems, and he's eh, not necessarily a superstar caliber, caliber quarterback. Anyone that watches NFL on a consistent basis would understand Tua is not that type of quarterback. He has great talent around him, 
but he underthrows guys, not accurate throwing the football, injury concerns, presence in the in the pockets not very good. He's just not very consistent. Footwork, all that. And another reason why the Chargers went ahead and paid Justin Herbert and why it was made a priority is because you want to avoid getting into a cold war between the Bengals who are try- who are lining up to pay Joe Burrow very soon. Now the Chargers have flipped the pressure onto the Bengals and be- and, and they're like, all right, well, you're going to have to pay your quarterback more than $262.5 million because we set the market. Every time a quarterback gets signed, the market gets set. It was set with Dak Prescott, Matthew Stafford, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Kyla Murray, Russell Wilson, which is insane to me, but Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson. The market gets set every time a quarterback signed. When Jalen Hurts signed earlier this summer, it was $255 million. Lamar Jackson signed later on, $260 million, $5 million more. Justin Herbert signs, it's $2.5 million more than what Lamar Jackson's getting. That's how it works. So now the pressure is on the Bengals. Who have a lot of lot of young talent, a lot of cheap talent, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Joe Burrow. They gotta make a decision because they gotta either fi- find out a way to pay all those guys, which in most cases you're not gonna pay big money to a receiver or to both to to two receivers. Because you gotta send the quarterback and then you gotta figure out which one of the receivers are gonna sign and if Obviously, they're going to sign Jamar Chase because he's better talent. But the, now the pressure's on the Bengals. And that's a smart move for the Chargers because you don't want to be, it's not fun to be the team that has to set the market or the team that hasn't re-signed their quarterback yet. You never want to be in that situation. It's not fun because you're going to get ridiculed, questioned by the mainstream sports media oh well why didn't you pay him more why didn't you go over why why didn't you give him five million extra than Jalen Hurts or Justin Herbert or Lamar Jackson that's how the game works and people you know complain about well why are they paying quarterbacks so much money blah 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 blah. the foundation starts and ends with the quarterback who did the Panthers draft? They drafted Bryce Young. The Texans got their quarterback. When you don't have a quarterback, you have no direction, as I mentioned. Look at the Tennessee Titans. They have three quarterbacks, and they don't they don't they don't know what they're doing. Is it Ryan Tannehill? Is it Will Levis or is it someone else? Who's it gonna be? When you don't have a quarterback, it's not a good mix. It's not a good mix. And also these haters from the mainstream sports media, social media, and other select few idiots saying, well, he hasn't won a playoff game yet. Sure, that's very true. But does Justin Herbert play defense? Is he on the defensive line that was third worst in the league last season? Is he the GM of the team? Can he draft? Can you play, can you participate on run defense? That's bottom five in the league. 
Tell me another quarterback outside of the Captain Obvious answer, Patrick Mahomes, that is better than Justin Herbert currently. Can you, without a doubt, say Joe Burrow is clearly better than Justin Herbert? Well, ESPN likes his fake stat, QB wins. Oh, look, Justin Herbert's 1-0 against Joe Burrow. Did you know that? Did you know in 2021, Justin Herbert went into Cincinnati, into Joe Burrow's house, and blew him away 41-22? to 317 yards, played very well. Meanwhile, Mr. Joe Burrow, who everyone on BSPN loves, calls him the next Tom Brady, he had two interceptions. Not very good. Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, not much of a difference. Jalen Hurts, I need to see more. So is it clear that these quarterbacks are, you know, just that much better than Justin Herbert? Kyla Murray, no, not even close. Deshaun Watson, well, he hadn't played in two years, and quite frankly, in the six games that he played, he didn't look very good. Lamar Jackson, not really. Sure, he has a league MVP, but is he that much better than Justin Herbert? No. Derek Carr, no. Aaron Rodgers, no. Russell Wilson, heck no. Patrick Mahomes, I'll still give him that, but I think arm talent wise, leadership wise, physical traits, mental toughness, I believe they're the same. I believe if you were to put Justin Herbert in that Kansas City Chiefs offense of Andy Reid, I don't think you're going to see much of a difference. Instead, Justin Herbert's been stuck with Anthony Lynn his first season, his rookie year in 2020, with a coach that had no idea how much time was left on the game clock, terrible time management, the worst special teams in the league, terrible tackling, a horrendous offensive line that was bottom five in the league that, that year. Justin Herbert threw for 31 touchdowns, 10 picks. 4,336 yards. That's pretty good. That's pretty good for a guy that didn't play the first game, got thrown into the fire against the Chiefs at home in the second game of the year. No training camp, COVID. And, and playing for a head coach that was adamant on starting Tyrod Taylor. Anthony Lynn, if for folks that don't remember, Anthony Lynn was obsessed with Tyrod Taylor. He coached him with the Buffalo Bills. He was so excited for him. He wanted him to be the starting quarterback. He played the first game against the Bengals. And it, it was the Chargers won the game. What was it 16 to 13? It was terrible. That offense was abysmal. So th when when people were questioning Justin Herbert's worth and value to the Chargers, they don't understand the full picture. He's had to deal with Anthony Lynn. He's had to deal with Brandon Staley, who can't decide between being aggressive or not aggressive. Is he going to go for go for and forth down or not? He can never decide what he's going to do. He has to deal with a defense, a run defense that's been consistently pathetic, bottom five in the league. So this idea that the Chargers should question themselves before re-signing and giving Justin Herbert that money is delusional. I mean, like, would the Chargers be better off with a Mike White-type quarterback or some journey quarterback like Tyler Henneke or Taylor Henneke, whatever the heck his name is? 
or Josh McCallum type of quarterback, would the Chargers be better off? No, they would not be. They would be the worst team, one of the worst teams in the league. Because you can have a talented roster. If you don't have the quarterback figured out, you're not going anywhere. And especially with the AFC being the best conference in the league, the AFC is filled with a lot of great quarterbacks, a lot of good quarterbacks, a lot of decent quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr, Ryan Tannehill, Jimmy Garoppolo, Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence. There are a lot of young, talented quarterbacks and also a lot of older quarterbacks that have been established. So the AFC has a lot of good quarterbacks. It's not. It's going to be a dogfight. And that's why you have to get the quarterback position down immediately. Because if you don't, you're going to get left behind. I mean, look at all the teams that have won Super Bowls. They've always had a quarterback. Tom Brady. Terry Bradshaw. Joe Montana. Troy Aikman. John Elway. Eli Manning. Peyton Manning. Ben Roethlisberger. Bard Starr. You got to have a quarterback. If you don't have a quarterback, your team is going to go nowhere. Nowhere and nowhere fast. That's the way it works. That's the way football has worked religiously ever since the league, ever since the game first started. And folks have to understand that. You got to get the quarterback right. If you don't get the quarterback right, you're not going to win games. That's the way it works. And the Chargers were smart to get ahead of the Bengals and the rest of the league and taking care of that problem. Now the pressure is also on the Chargers front office. Tom Telesco, you got to start drafting better. You got to start nailing the first round, which the Chargers have always been pretty good at. But the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh rounds you need at least half to have value. Joshua Kelly, Kenneth Murray, who looks lost, busting assignments left and right, choosing the wrong gap, terrible on run defense. Jerry Tillery, he had an attitude problem. Nasir Adderley retired four years into his career. Manti Teo was a distraction in the locker room. And he was also just not very good. He was terrible. Forrest Lamp never got on the field. The Chargers have had issues drafting consistently. You have to nail in the draft. That's the model the Chiefs are following. We paid Patrick Mahomes. We'll, we'll utilize free agency to go after offensive line, receivers, running backs, and we'll use the draft to build the defense. And the Chargers are going to have to start doing that. They don't have a choice. They're going to have to go into the draft and start nailing these picks. We can't have any more swings and misses. We can't have any more Kenneth Murrays. We can't have any more Joshua Kelly. We need to have a bet. We need we need future running backs because we're not going to get Devin Cook. Alston Eckler is going to be out the door, and thus far, Joshua Kelly, Larry Roundtree, have not been very good. Isaiah Spiller, who we drafted last season in the draft, never made it to the football field, and I don't know what's going on with that. 
So the running backs, they haven't been great at drafting running backs. The theoretically talented guy out of Delaware. Quit after four years. You had options in, in, in the Manti Teo draft, and you go with Manti Teo, the biggest distraction at the time. Now, the Forrest Lamp situation wasn't all their fault, but he had off-the-field problems, injuries, never saw the football field. And then with Brashawn Slater's uh, contract coming down the pike, you're going to start paying in because left tackles are also very important. When you think of the offensive line, you think of center and left tackle. If your center position is not good, which we have that taken care of for now, Corey Lindsey, Rashawn Slater is the best left tackle in football without a question. He run rookie of the year in 2021, banged up last season, missed the second half of the year. From what I've been seeing and hearing, he looks great. He looks great. He looks good to go. He's in training camp, participating at full strength. But you got to pay your left tackle. And left tackles make uh, Andrew Thomas just got a $117 million contract. Trent Williams makes $138 million. You got to pay Rashawn Slater. And it's going to be up in that 117 or 138 range because that's how good he is. So the Chargers have to nail the draft. If you're Tom Telesco, you need to get with your scouting department, your scouting team, and explain to them, all right, guys, we have to start nailing these picks. We, we can't have any more misses. We can't, you know, we, we can't afford to be like, oh, well, uh, we screwed up on that pick. Too bad. We can't do that anymore. We can't miss on these picks because not only do we have to worry about paying Justin Herbert's contract and then Rashawn Slater we got to make decisions on the future of Asante Samuel Jr. Mike Williams because based on the salary cap situation we're not going to be able to afford Keenan Allen and Mike Williams at the same time and based on what I've been reading and based on reports from the Chargers the Chargers have no intention on getting rid of Keenan Allen because Justin Herbert and him have great chemistry. And, and it's obvious when you watch the games, those two have a great connection. Mike Williams might be the odd man out because Quentin Johnston, the rookie, who I believe is going to win rookie of the year, is going to be really, really good. And he looks really, really good in practice and training camp so far. I mean, he's making plays all over the field. He's quick. He's fast. He's aggressive. He's Mike Williams' replacement. That's why they drafted him in the first round. Darius Davis is a little good. Hightower's been, you know, he's off the practice squad finally. And he's making plays. Joshua Palmer. So our wide receiver group is deep. We got Jalen Guyton coming back off of injury. They got a deep, deep receiver core. Khalil Mack. Joey Bozo. We got to make decisions about them. Khalil Maxson have he has one more year year left in his contract and it's a team option. What are you gonna do with Khalil Mack? You gotta pay him that ten million for an older player. You gotta keep paying Joey Boza, who has the talent, but he's not always been consistent. You gotta keep paying those players. 
So the Chargers have a lot of decisions to make, and the financial decisions are going to be big. Because when you, when you pay your quarterback a lot of money, $262.5 million, you lose the flexibility of your quarterback being on a rookie contract, which is why a lot of teams, when they draft high and have the talent already in the building that surrounds the quarterback, that's why they try to go all in early. And the Chargers yeah, didn't exactly succeed at that, and now you, it's, it's going to be a lot harder. It's going to be a lot harder now, and to the Chiefs' credit, they squeezed out a Super Bowl before they paid Patrick Mahomes a contract. Now, like I mentioned, each situation is going to be different. Justin Herbert wasn't afforded or lucky enough to win the Andy Reid lottery. He wasn't lucky enough to you know, end up with some of, some of these other head coaches like Doug Pedersen or an offensive-driven head coach. Instead, he ended up with Anthony Lynn and Brandon Staley. And then Joe Lombardi as his offensive coordinator for two years. The worst offensive coordinator I've ever seen in my life. So it was important for the Chargers to get this done. There was no doubt this, you know, the media, sports media likes to make, likes to, likes to generate chaos. And the chaos was never there. It was never there. So don't worry about this BS that the Chargers are never going to pay him. It's over now. They're going to move on. They're going to have a great season. I'll make my amendments to the schedule in a little bit to represent how good I believe this team's going to be because they are fully capable of it, and this is a big year. Huge year because you have a lot of talent in the building right now. Next season and the year after, that talent's going to start dwindling. It's going to start lessening. It's going to start decreasing. So you got to take advantage of it now. All right, so switching gears. This is a big season. 2023 is a big season for Brandon Staley. And Kellen Moore is a major reason for why that is. Joe Lombardi, as I mentioned earlier on, is and was the worst offensive play caller I've ever ever witness the Broncos have fun with that you had Justin Herbert a top five quarterback in the league finish 13th in points running game with 30th in yards and the average passing distance was between five to six yards one of the lowest deep ball throwing teams in the league despite having Mike Williams the Keenan Allen Jalen Guyton cut Tyron Johnson in favor of freaking Michael Bandy who should never be on the, on an NFL field ever again. No disrespect, but Michael Bandy, no no reason why he should be in the NFL, and he's not anymore. Like running stick, core routes, scream passes, stupid end-around trick plays of Michael Bandy. That, that, that's gone. That's gone. So Kellen Moore is an important figure, an important factor, and an important component into the Chargers having a successful season. Because Brandon Staley, he got the offensive coordinator wrong, and if this goes sideways, he's going to get canned. 
Like Brandon Staley, he's going to have to go for the AFC Championship game in order for his job, in my opinion, to be 100% safe. Kellen Moore brings in a high-powered, aggressive offense that made Dak Prescott better than he really is. Number two in total offense, 28 points per game, fourth in passing yards, big plays. Like Dak Prescott under Kellen Moore's offense is really good. Before and after, we'll see, but before Dak Prescott was average. When Kellen Moore got there, he threw for 4,902 yards, 30 touchdowns, 37 touchdowns, and 23 touchdowns last season. Justin Herbert's a way better quarterback than Dak Prescott. I mean, Dak Prescott, he was making big plays, deep passes. They were putting up points left and right. Imagine what Justin Herbert's going to be able to do with this offense, with Mike Williams, Quentin Johnson, two great deep threats, Darius Davis and Jalen Guyton, who are speedsters, that will put stress on the JV Raiders, the Chiefs, and the Broncos, and secondaries around the league. Like Kellen Moore's motto in training camp is, let her rip. We're going to throw the football, and it's going to be aggressive, and that's how this team is built. We're not built for 1980s or 40-year-old Drew Brees. That's not how the team's built. I never understood why Brendan Staley and Joe Lombardi never saw the light of day. They, they never understood it. Joe Lombardi never improved. He stubbornly ran the same freaking old school offense week after week after week, and I had to watch that crap every single time. And it started getting predictable. We're going to run stick on third and nine. First down. Run and play to Sony Michelle. Negative two yards. Five-yard pass to Keenan Allen. Third and long. That was the way the offense went. And then, you know, once in a while, it was sprinkling a stupid end-round play to Michael Bandy. That would go nowhere. Also, Kellen Moore has proven to squeeze any ounce of decency out of running backs. Tony Pollard came out of nowhere for the Cowboys. I mean, he was remarkable. He's, he's considered a starting running back in the league. Joe Lombardi made a terrible effort to find a second running back behind Austin Eckler. Joshua Kelly has shown flashes. He's shown some potential. He's had some big runs. He's showing signs of shiftiness, explosiveness, toughness, but it's not consistent. Isaiah Speller never sees the field, never saw the field once. Larry Roundtree played in limited situations and was unimpressive. He's a fumbling machine. Kellen Moore needs to get the running game started. That's not going to be his main focus, but that needs to be addressed. Because when Austin Eckler leaves the field, the running game is incompetent. It's non-existent. And every single quarterback needs a decent running game to stabilize offense, to keep defenses honest. And you don't need a Adrian Peterson type running back or a Emmitt Smith or any type of running or Joe, Jim Brown or whatever. 
You don't need that. You just need a decent running back. Look at the Super Bowl teams. They've had seventh-round picks. They had Isaiah Pacheco for the Chiefs last season. Sony Michelle at one point. LeGarrette Blunt. I mean, you had all these you had these non, non-important characters, non-major characters that are running back making key plays. Cam Akers. Damian Williams. You need a running back. You need a you need decent running backs. And the Chargers have not been able to find one outside of Austin Eckler. Kellen Moore has proven because he had at one point Zeke and then he had Tony Pollard. If you can have two decent running backs, you'll be in good shape. Also, Kellen Moore, even if we make the playoffs and win a few games, as I referenced earlier, he could very well end up being the head coach next season. If the relationship of Justin Herbert is good, if they connect, the offense clicks, the uh, the stats and numbers are the best in the league, Justin Herbert goes for 40 touchdowns, 5,000 yards, explodes on the league, they won big games, they sweep the AFC, the AFC West, we have a great run, but come short of the AFC Championship game, Brandon Staley is going to get fired. His job should not be safe unless he reaches the AFC Championship game. Anything short of that is going to be unacceptable. Because in the NFL, NBA, and other team sports, and other sectors of society, you are given a two-year time frame to figure it out. Brandon Staley has been with the Chargers for three years. He's been here for three years. The Spanos family historically gives coaches three to four years to figure it out. You had the Mike Riley era. That was three years of just a complete disaster. I mean, there was a 1-15 year in that. There was a 5-12 season. It was a complete train wreck. He was pathetic. Mike McCoy for four years. That was a train wreck. Anthony Lynn got four years. Brandon Staley needs to reach the AFC Championship game to make his job 100% safe because the NFL is an offensive quarterback-driven league. Kellen Moore is smart, he's progressive, he's young, innovative, switching out offensive coordinators every season because of a defensive-driven head coach is a pain. New systems, verbiage, consistency. You just paid your quarterback. Patrick Mahomes has Andy Reid. The Dolphins have Mike McDaniel. Trevor Lawrence has Doug Pedersen. Personally, I'm leaning towards Kellen Moore as head coach moving th- forward, and I think the Spanos family is aware of that. That's why they brought him in. Because Kellen Moore has been up for head coaching jobs the past few years. When you hear of head coaching candidates, you hear for you hear Kellen Moore. In this offseason, Kellen Moore, the first day of the regular season and the season ending, he went straight to the Chargers. Because I believe the Spanos family, Kellen Moore, they believe, all right, Brandon Staley, if you don't make significant strides, we pay our quarterback, we're going to pay our quarterback, we need, we need an offensive-driven head coach. And right now, we don't have an offensive-driven head coach. We have a brand, we have Brandon Staley. He's defensive-based. 
And the defense is not very good. The run defense is not very good. And in this league, switching coordinators out every other week, every, every other year, not an option. There needs to be some consistency, and that's the advantage that offensive head coaches have because they can form a relationship with the quarterbacks. If Kellen Moore leads after this season, now Justin Herbert has to learn a whole, whole new system. So that's why I believe Kellen Moore is a legitimate head coaching candidate moving forward. If Brandon Staley does not reach the AFC changing game, his job is not 100% safe. That's the way it's going to be. And that's the way it should be. But I think people need to realize that. I think Charger fans need to understand that. It is very possible come the end of the season, whenever that is, if the offense plays well, Justin Herbert plays well, but the rest of the team's a mess or inconsistent, Kellen Ward's going to be the head coach. And he's been waiting for a head coaching opportunity for the past five years. And he might have this golden opportunity to audition for the head coaching job if he can form a strong relationship with Justin Herbert. And if the stats back it up, the numbers back it up, that could be a legitimate case. Because Brandon Staley is a head coach going back to 2021. He screwed up the Cowboys game in his first season. Had an absolute train wreck, no-show. Week 6 against the Ravens, got annihilated. Got crushed by the Patriots. Got embarrassed by the Vikings. Got embarrassed by Drew Locke and the Fighting Broncos. Got embarrassed by the Chiefs in overtime in a game we should have won. Got embarrassed the day after Christmas in the Rexburg head massacre when he ran off for 150 yards at a big game. Couldn't stop the freaking Houston Texans who were done. They were home for the holidays. And then lost in that de facto playoff game against the JV Raiders when Justin Herbert had to turn the Superman the last five minutes and convert six different fourth downs and make superhuman plays. Last season wasn't even wasn't much better. We had questionable losses. We should have been the Chiefs. We should have swept the Chiefs both times. Instead, the first go around wasn't all Brandon Staley's fault. It was a mix of Joe Lombardi's crappy offense and the referees taking away two Asante Samuel Jr. interceptions. Then you had the Jaguars game that was a complete abomination. No one was ready to go. Justin Herbert had cracked ribs. The defense was a no-show. The offensive line was a train wreck. Wash of a game. And then you lose the freaking Geno Smith and Kenneth Walker the third with the Seattle Seahawks. That was an abomination. 37-23. Then you had the second Chiefs game where you should have won. Justin Herbert leads you on a game-leading touchdown drive. With a minute and 15 left in the game. And you leave Travis Kelsey wide open. You leave the best tight end in the league wide open. Inexcusable. So Brandon Staley's had a lot of ups and downs. And then he had the stupid nonsense that we witnessed. 
in that Broncos game, the last game of the regular season that was meaningless, had no meaning, and then you throw Mike Williams out there, you have the starters out there until the fourth quarter, and Mike Williams injures his back, and he misses that wild card game. And if Mike Williams, if we had him for that wild card game, we would have slammed the door shut on, the, on that team, on that other team. We would have, we could have won that game. We were up twenty-seven nothing. If we had Mike Williams make a couple plays, we won that game. Instead, your stupid analytic brain decided, well, guess what? We're gonna play our starters. Play the backups. Throw Easton Stick in the game. Put the third. Put Isaiah Spiller out there. Put the freaking third string. Put put the fifth string receivers. Put Michael Bandy out there since he wasn't want to play him so much. Put Hightower out there. Put anyone else except for the starters, and they couldn't do that correctly. And Dean Spanos and the Spanos family get a lot of crap, but he's not patient. As I mentioned earlier, he only gives his head coaches two to three to four years. He gave Mike Riley three years, and he was gone before the third season was even over. Anthony Lynn, who was a dead man walking in 2020. Brandon Staley, he's going to be on that track. If he's not careful, he's going to be fired if he doesn't have significant success. If he doesn't reach the AFC Championship game, he should be fired. And he should have been, in my opinion, he should have been left at the bus. He should have been left on the boat on the ramp at the Jaguar Stadium. He should have been fired after that game. He should have been, he should have been, he should have been asked to find your own way home. You can pay your own plane ticket because that play, that that week 18 game against the Broncos and then the wild card game was a disgrace. Risking your starters, risking your starting running back, your quarterback, your wide receiver, Mike Williams gets hurt, carted off the field, inexcusable. That game was meaningless. And then you blow the 27-0 lead. Your amazing defense gave up 31 straight points. It was 27-0 at halftime, and you couldn't slam it shut. Pathetic. Asante Samuel Jr. collected three interceptions. And you lose the game. So if Brandon Staley doesn't show significant progress... Doesn't reach to AFC Championship game. His job is not 100% safe. And it should not be. Kellen Moore is auditioning for the head coaching job. And that should definitely be on the table. And I believe, based on the Spanos family's history, Dean Spanos, that's very much on the table. So, if it's if, if Brandon Staley doesn't reach the AFC Championship game, he should be 100% out the door. You need an offensive-driven head coach. You need a coach that has a relationship with the quarterback. That doesn't exist right now. Changing coordinators every other year, not an option. It's not sustainable. Unless you have Tom Brady who basically runs his own offense, unless Justin Herbert starts turning into a computer, which he arguably is like a human computer, I mean, the guy was a bio-slash-chemistry major in college. His whole family is, is a bunch of doctors. The dude's pretty smart. Maybe he could be his own offensive coordinator, 
but you got to have you you got to have a coordinator. You got to have an offensive driven head coach. Every other team, every other quarterback in this league has that. Justin Herbert has been stuck with Anthony Lynn, Brandon Staley. So, all right, so switching gears to my Chargers game-by-game predictions. When I did this a few weeks ago, earlier in the summer, I had, I've had the Chargers going 12-5, and 4-2 and two in the AFC West, with losses coming in week three at the Vikings, week 10 against the Lions, week 12 against the Ravens, week 18 against the Chiefs, because I'm not sure if that game's going to matter, then week 15 at the Raiders, because, you know, the Raiders, for some damn reason, every time we expect to kick their ass, and when that team sucks, it's it's one of the best rivalries in sports, it's the second oldest in the NFL, doesn't matter if the Raiders suck, or if they're good, or the Chargers suck, that's always going to be a competitive game. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. It doesn't matter if it's Derek Carr or Jimmy Garoppolo. The Raiders find a way. But, so I'm going to go through my amended schedules, predictions. And there's no notable injuries. Training camp started last Wednesday. The offense has looked really, really good. A lot of deep passes. Quentin Johnston looks spectacular. Looks spectacular in what I've seen so far. The secondary has made big plays. Asante Samuel Jr. has picked up right where he left off. J.C. Jackson looks good so far. Duran James, of course. Michael Davis. Eric Kendricks. Everyone looks good. So my amendments, as I referenced earlier, my original losses were week three against the Vikings. Week 10 against the Lions, week 15 against the Raiders, week 12 against the Ravens, and then week 18 against the Chiefs because I'm not sure if that game is going to matter. So my amendments, first one is week 10 versus Lions. I'm changing this from a loss to a win because the Lions have gambling suspensions. They have key players, Jamison Williams. And a key example of that, he is gone for the first six games. Can't participate in training camp. Can't participate at all because of gambling. He's gone. They have a, quite a few guys on defense that are gone as well. That's I think that's going to matter also. There's a lot of hype surrounding the Lions. The NFC North, Aaron Rodgers is gone. The Packers have a new quarterback. The Bears don't have a quarterback. I'm not sold on Justin Fields. He's He has a 5-20 and 20 record. 24 touchdowns, 24 picks. I don't think he's that guy. He's deer in headlights every time he has to throw the ball. The Vikings are still there. You got Kirk Cousins. You got Justin Jefferson. You have a lot of talent on defense. Will the Lions be able to capitalize? I'm not convinced. Dan Campbell gets a lot of hype. A lot of social media attention. He's going to bite someone's leg off. He's going to bring a lion to practice. A lot of hype. Also, Jared Goff, can he repeat his production from last season? Can he do it? Can he go off for 30 touchdowns? Can he go go for 4,000 yards? Can he be the efficient passer, which he was never capable of with the Rams? Even that Super Bowl season, he was a scarecrow quarterback. Can Jared Goff repeat a success? 
I'm not convinced. Like, I don't believe the Lions should be a Sharpie-Din playoff team. And they are right now. And sure, the, the NFC is weak in comparison to the AFC. But I don't know. We are talking about the Lions. So I'm going to put Week 10 a win on the schedule for the Chargers. At that point, that they would be 8-1. and one. I'm still going to keep the Vikings lost because that's back-to-back road games. Week 2 at Titans. Week 3 at Vikings. A loud environment. They have one of the best crowds in the league. Great home field advantage. So I still have that as a loss. But the Lions, Week 10, making an amendment. A lot of, a lot of cloud, a lot of smoke of that team, a lot of hype. Not sure if they can handle it. All right, so Week 15... At Raiders, I originally had as a loss, but now I am changing that to a win because, and this is against my better judgment, they have Jimmy Garoppolo, quarterback. No disrespect to Jimmy Garoppolo. He did reach the Super Bowl with the 49ers, but he was carried to that Super Bowl. The 49ers have a lot of talent. That's a talented football team. Debo Samuel, great running backs, great wide receivers, great amazing defense, an offensive-driven head coach and Kyle Shanahan. Great team. Stable organization. Jimmy Garoppolo's in new territory. He's left the Las Vegas Raiders. The Davis family, they're they're they have a lot of money, but they don't they're off in left field a lot. They come out of nowhere. They're irrational. They make crazy decisions. Traded away Derek Carr, who Devontae Adams is not happy with. He was not happy he was traded. There's disconnect with management. The defense is terrible outside of Max Crosby. And the offensive line is rated worst in the league. You're going to trust Jimmy Garoppolo, who went from the best offensive line in football to the worst? Not buying it. Sure, he'll make play. He'll he'll make a couple throws to Devontae Adams. But uh, the Raiders, I'm definitely more afraid of Derek Carr than I am of Jimmy Garoppolo. Derek Carr, for his flaws, for his down shortfalls, he, he was gutsy. He made some plays. So I have the Chargers sweeping the Raiders both times this season. I have them be, uh, sweeping in week four and week uh, 15. I just think the Raiders are in for a bad season and also thrown on top of it. Josh McDaniels is not a great head coach. That guy is way over his head. He is way in over his head, way worse than Brandon Staley. And that's not a compliment. Brandon Staley's over his head. Josh McDaniels been over his head for his entire career. He was a joke of the Broncos and ran him into the ground. He was going to take the Colts head coaching job. Two days later, he verbally agreed and said, yeah, maybe I'm not going to do that. And then he takes the Raiders job, and, you know, it was a laughing stock last season. So after the Chargers will sweep the Raiders, so that puts the Chargers at 14-3, and 5-1 in the division. I'm still keeping that week fifth, week 18 loss to the Chiefs because I'm not sure if that game is going to matter because common sense would say Chiefs will have a playoff spot, a spot booked. The Chargers, in my predictions, will also have one booked. 
because I do have the Chargers beating the Chiefs in Week 7 on the road. Justin Herbert plays really well in Kansas City. 2-1 record. Should be 3, should be 4-0, quite frankly. But you all know what happened last season and the year before. When Justin Herbert went on the road and got that win, he should be undefeated. But the referees got in the way of that last season. So, but, so the losses will come in week three at Vikings, week 12 at uh, versus the Ravens. Until I see the run defense play better, I'm not going to be convinced. The Ravens are always great at running the football. They always have a tough physical defense. And then week 18 versus Chiefs because I'm not sure if it's going to matter. So that's where I'm at with the Chargers schedule. 14-3, and 5-1. and one. If any injuries take place, I'll do it over again. But thus far, knock on wood, none of that's happened. No major injuries to worry about. Originally, I had the team going 12-5, and 4-2. Now I have them at 14-3, and 5-1 and one in the division. I, you know, I, there's a lot of hype between, you know, the Broncos... I think the Chargers sweep the Broncos. I'm sorry, I'm not sold on Russell Wilson. I've never been sold on Russell Wilson. I've never understood the hype about him. Never understood it. You can go back in previous episodes and hear me talk about that, but I've never been sold on him. Not sold on the Raiders. The Raiders are going to be a train wreck. So, I think the two best teams in the AFC West are going to be the Chargers and the Chiefs. And whoever wins the division, whoever gets that wild card spot, we'll see what happens. If that's the case, wherever the, however the chips fall. But I believe the Chargers go fourteen and three, five and one in the division, and that's where that gets left off. So, those are my amendments for the twenty twenty three season. If any news, some training camp, any major news, injuries, develops, or preseason, then I'll make further amendments. But my latest one, 14-3, 5-1 in the AFC West. So, that's where we're at. Alright, so switching gears to some NBA discussion. The Celtics signed Jalen Brown to a historical expensive, the richest contract in NBA history. Five years, $304 million. And quite frankly, the Celtics didn't have much of a choice. They needed to sign Jalen Brown to this contract because anything below the Supermax was going to be problematic. Especially with Jalen Brown being involved in various trade discussions, whether it was to the Nets for Kevin Durant, or the Trailblazers for Damian Lillard. In my opinion, the Celtics should have pulled the trigger and traded for Dame. That like that should have already be done. Like I've covered this before, the 76ers and the Celtics, if they're smart and actually want to win an NBA championship, they trade for Damian Lillard. You try your damnedest to make sure he doesn't go to the Miami Heat. Because if the Miami Heat get Dame, they are the best team in the Eastern Conference. Neck for neck with the Milwaukee Bucks. But the Celtics did not. Uh, I mean, like, he's just objectively better than Jalen Brown. Like, at best, Jalen Brown is a top 15 player. And I'm not even sold on that. Like, when you're looking at these top players in the league, is Jalen Brown, right here, right now, 
Better than Jokic? Not even close. Is he better than Bradley Beal? I'm not sure about that. Better than Devin Booker? Not sure about that. Better than Carl Anthony Towns? Maybe. Giannis? Nope. Stephen Curry? No. Luka? No. Zach Levine? Sure. I'll give him that. Trey Young? Town-wise? That's a toss-up because I think Trey Young is still a talented player, not a winning player, but we don't consider Jalen Brown the leader of a franchise. Trey Young has that responsibility. Joel Embiid, no. Anthony Edwards, not yet. Anthony Edwards is still young. LaMelo, still young. John Morant, no. Like, there's a lot of LeBron nowadays. I don't know. I'd probably still tick, I'd obviously tick LeBron over Jalen Brown. I'm not building my franchise against Jalen Brown. I'm not doing it. Anthony Davis, no. Damian Lillard, no. Jimmy Butler, no. Like, I can name all types. Kyrie Irving still. I would take Kyrie Irving over Jalen Brown. Now, the off-the-court incidents, the noise, the sabbaticals, the random not showing up to work, I wouldn't want to deal with any of that. You don't get that with the Jalen Brown package. But talent-wise, I'm taking Kyrie over him. I'm taking Jimmy Butler. Mental toughness in playoff time. Clutch shots, big shots. Yeah. I am. And people may think that's crazy, but I, I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not. At best, on a good day, Jalen Brown's a top 15 player, and he's probably 15th. Also, the Celtics... Still do not have a true point guard. It's Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown playing your turn, my turn. That never leads to an NBA championship. Like that, this roster, I mean, people need to stop kidding themselves. It's not great. Like I hear, you know, all the talking mainstream heads hype up the Celtics every single season. They're a great regular season team. But I never understand it because their style sucks. Their style sucks. It never works. Jay, they have no point guards. They have Malcolm Brogdon. He's a shooting guard. Jalen Brown's a shooting guard. Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum's a small forward. Derek Wright. Derek White is a shooting guard. The only point guard they have is Peyton Pritchard, and come playoff time, come playoff time, he's unplayable. J.D. Davidson, point guard, he's on the practice squad. He's on the G League. They don't have a point guard. They still don't have a point guard. And this idea, well, they don't need a point guard. No, they every team needs some semblance of a point guard. Or if you have a shooting guard that masquerades as a point guard sometimes, or vice versa, then you know maybe you're in luck. Or unless you have a LeBron James type where he can play any position on the court but has amazing passing, then sure. But Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum's passing skills are not great. Jimmy Butler can play point guard at times because his passing's pretty damn good. Jalen Brunson, the Knicks, great passing ability. Did. Donovan Mitchell, great passer. Stephen Curry, great passer. Devin Booker, great passer. Kyrie Irving, great passer. Luka, great passer. Jason Tatum and 
Jalen Brown are not great passers. Damian Lillard's a heck of a passer. You know, he can also shoot. Also, the Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum duo, I believe, has run its course. I believe it's run its course. They've reached the Eastern Conference Finals five times, including a finals trip in last season, falling short to the Golden State Warriors. But this Eastern Conference Finals this past season against the eight-seeded Magic Carpet Ride Miami Heat, who had a 3-0 lead, kicking the Celtics' ass, forced a Game 7 in TD Garden. The Celtics came all the way back, tied it up 3-3, and they got blown out of home. They got destroyed. Like, if it wasn't for the dysfunction of the 76ers, Joel Embiid and James Harden in Game 6 and 7, the Celtics should have been bounced in the second round. Like, I believe this duo, has, it's, 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 it's ran its course. They've been together since 2016-2017. They've made the Eastern Conference Finals five times. And Jalen Brown, looking at these numbers, every time since he's been on the Celtics in 2016, he's not even been the best player. Isaiah Thomas was the best player in 2016. The fake Isaiah Thomas, by the way. Kyrie Irving was the best player in 27, 2017 and 2018. Jason Tatum was the best player in 2019 and 2020. Jason Tatum, again, he's been the best player every year since. So is Jalen Brown important? Sure. Is he worth $304 million? No. But that's where the NBA market is at. That's where it's going to be. When these players reach first-team All-NBA, first-team defense, reach the All-Star game requirement, reach games played, they're going to, and have stayed on the same team for five-plus five years, you're going to see these massive contracts. They're going to get higher and higher. Is Jalen Brown that, that type of player? No. And I think people also, there's some nuance to the NBA contracts because at one point, Mike Conley was the highest paid player in the league. And LeBron James could have been the highest paid player in the league multiple times, but he prefers the one plus one to have more flexibility over his career. So he's not stuck on a five-year contract on a shitty team. Which can happen. So the Celtics, I understand why they did it. But the duo of Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, they'll always be a great regular season team. But come postseason time, they come up short against the Bucks, especially the Miami Heat, and the 76ers. And the Knicks are on the upswing. Adding Porzingis doesn't make the Celtics a much better team. It just doesn't. It doesn't make him better. And, and people were hyping up that that's that for agency signing. Porzingis, outside of his stint with the, Celt with the Knicks, has been disappointing. He had three good seasons with the Knicks. When he was nicknamed the Unicorn. When he, when he was traded to the Mavericks for a bag of chips and a box of cookies. He was either hurt, clashing with the coaching staff, and was borderline unplayable in the playoffs. 
go back to those Clippers series where they had the Clippers on the road some, uh, at one point, but then Porzingis is just standing around the corner shooting jacking up bricks from three-point range. Or getting shut down by whoever the Clippers threw at him. He was, he was getting schooled by Zubox. He was not a great center. Sure, with the Withers, he averaged 25 points per game, but the Withers were not playing for anything. They should have been tanking two years ago. And now they have the Jordan Poole show in town. Have fun with that. So the Celtics roster didn't improve, and I kept repeating during the playoffs, this team needs a ball handler. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are not point guards. They're not point guards. They don't have the passing ability of a LeBron James, of a Damian Lillard, of a Kyrie Irving, of a Chris Paul, Devin Booker, name it. Jamie Butler, name your player. James Harden even. And I'm not a James Harden fan by any stretch of imagination. And we'll get to his ass later, but I think the Celtics have run their course. They should have plunged and traded for Damian Lillard. I'll keep repeating it over and over again. Like a Jason Tatum, Porzingis, and Jalen Brown big three is not winning you an NBA championship. Not even close. I mean, this is the roster that they're rolling out there next season. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Robert Williams, Porzingis, Malcolm Brogdon, Al Horford, Derek White, and Peyton Pritchard. That's the team you're going to put out there. That's the team the Boston Celtics are going to put out there next season and expect to have new results, to expect new achievements to be reached. Are we sure about that? Because I'm not. I've seen this movie over and over again, and it's the same result. It hasn't changed. They get to the Eastern Conference Finals, or they get to the Finals, and they hit a wall. There's a ceiling, and they cannot get over that ceiling. Because that 2022 Warriors team was not unstoppable. They got beat by 50-plus in the Grizzlies in the second round that year. So that team was not invincible. And as evident, they basically brought the same team back, and they went 9-39 and on the road. So, and also they traded Marcus Smart, He's no longer on the team. He was traded to the Grizzlies. So does Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Porzingis, is that a threat to the Bucks? No. If the Miami Heat end up getting Damian Lillard and they complete that trade, is that a threat to Bam, Dame, and Jimmy Butler? No. 76ers. James Harden, if he's still on the team, and Joel Embiid? No. All, those, all three of those teams... Are better than the Celtics right now, and the Knicks are on the are are coming. So if I were the Celtics, and I was trying to legitimately compete for an NBA championship, I would have gambled and traded for Damian Lillard. I would have done it. I would have done it. Makes perfect sense. Change it up because the duo of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown is ran its course. We've seen this movie over and over again. How many times do we have to see it? 
All right, so switching gears to James Harden, my favorite player in the league. And he made some stupid comments, as usual, about the Damian Lillard trade saga that continues to progress or progress or whatever word you want to throw in there. And it's not really progressing. Blazers GM, team president said it might take a couple months, which I think is a horrible mis mistake because there's no way that you can bring Damian Lillard, who's publicly demanded a trade through his agent. You can't bring him to training camp with Scoot Henderson and all those guys and Anthony Simmons and Shaden Sharp. Can't do it. And the Blazers, as of right now, look like they're going to attempt to do that or play hardball, which I think is a bad mistake. But Damon, uh, but uh, but James Harden, he said, quote, in an interview, I see both sides of it. I went through it. The organization wants to do what's best for them. They don't want to just give a player that basically is one of the best players that they've ever had in the organization away for nothing. So I get the organization side and then I get the player side as far as wanting to play and wanting to be somewhere. And also players and teams should meet in the middle. End quote. First off, James Harden is the last person alongside Kyrie Irving who should be giving advice on how players and teams handle trade requests. And I'm not even going to get into and repeat James Harden's continued playoff blunders and failures season after season after season. James Harden, for those that may have forgotten, demanded a trade from the Rockets to the Nets. The Rockets initially attempted to play hardball. James Harden skipped training camp, didn't show up at all, partied in Vegas, Atlanta, Miami. He was all over the place, New York, anywhere but Houston. He was, he was with Little Baby. He was with Drake. He was with Duh Baby. He was everywhere but the Houston Rockets training camp. And he showed up right before the 2021 season out of shape. He looked like he gained 20 pounds. He was fat. Like, I don't know. He must have been living in a bar. He must have been living in a McDonald's of a 12-pack of beer every single night. And he was out of shape. Then he showed up to the first game of the season against the Blazers and dropped 44 points. Showing to the Rockets organization and to the league, huh, I can still play when I feel like it. I can be fat, 20 pounds overweight. Doesn't matter. What you going to do about it? And then after that, he went into I don't give a shit mode. He was pathetic. Half-assed every game. Passing the ball. Walking up the court. Zero effort. Wasn't talking to teammates. Showed up late to practice. Wouldn't shoot the ball at times. Lackadaisical effort all around. And the Rockets finally capitulate, and they trade him to the Nets. Vibes in Brooklyn is formed. 
played a season and a half with KD and Kyrie. Then before the All-Star break of the 2022 season, demands a trade to the 76ers, which occurred when Kyrie Irving took another sabbatical. He had the vaccine controversy, and he was gone for a month again. Who knows where that? Who knows where he went? Doing who knows what? So Kyrie was gone on the loose. No one knows where he went. James Harden demands a trade, and he gets traded to the 76ers, largely because Daryl Morey, Harden's guy from the Rockets, former GM, team president, was brought in by the 76ers. He got his wish. The sports media overhyped the whole situation, saying Embiid and Harden are arguably the best duo in the league. Which was utter nonsense. That was never the case. The 76ers were never were never a top title contender. They were never the best duo in the league. We all knew Embiid can, can play. MVP caliber player. James Harden, MVP caliber player. We get that. But Joel Embiid, his problem is and was... Great during the regular season. On he, he could be on the same level as Jokic. We've seen it before. But Embiid is never healthy come playoff time. It's always something, whether a broken nose, knee, stomach ache. It's always something wrong with Joel Embiid once April and May come around. Harden always, you know, flames out in big series, late games. Whether it's a mysterious injury or scoring 12 points like he did against the Spurs in 2017 or commits a million turnovers in a pivotal game 6 or 7, which we witnessed with the Houston Rockets. We saw that. We saw it over and over again against the Golden State Warriors. They had every opportunity, a James Harden-led Rockets team, to slam the door shut on the Golden State Warriors, and he crapped the bed. In the 2022 playoffs, second round, Embiid and Harden got cooked by the Jimmy Butler-led Miami Heat in six games, who the 76ers should have kept because he was on the team in 2019 after getting traded from the Timberwolves, but instead the 76ers stupidly chose Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris. Ben Simmons doesn't want to play basketball anymore. And Tobias Harris received the worst contract in NBA history. $145 million, the average 12 points a game. Pathetic. 76 and Joel Embiid loves Jimmy Butler. They had him on the team. They chose Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris. Pathetic. I mean, it's just bad decision-making. And sure, people can say, well, we didn't know what Ben Ben Simmons was still young. Tobias Harris still had a lot of potential. It was still a stupid move, and I never understood it when it happened. I'm like, you had Jimmy Butler in there. Jimmy Butler played very well for the 76ers. And then you have this past season, 3-2 lead on the Celtics. Game six at home in Philadelphia. 
an opportunity to slam the door shut on the overrated Celtics, James Harden and Joel Embiid were no-shows. Harden was a turnover machine, and they let Jason Tatum go crazy in the fourth quarter of Game 6, 15-plus points. Game series over. Over. Like, Game 7 heading into that series, or heading in that game, I was like, they're toast. They are screwed. Game 6 was their opportunity because we know what happens if Joel Embiid and James Harden. When they get in the pressurized situations, they fold. And right on schedule, Game 7 was an all-time pathetic performance. James Harden scored 9 points. Joel Embiid 15 points. Jason Tatum drops 51 points. That's the NBA Game 7 record. And the 76ers straight up quit in that third quarter, getting blitzed 33-10 in the third quarter. Not good. Not good. So that duo of Joel Embiid and James Harden overhyped. Then, of course, Doc Rivers got canned. James Harden reportedly didn't like him. Free agency kicks off. James Harden was expecting a long-term contract. The 76ers don't offer it. He's pissed and then Signs the one-year extension and demands the trade. So James Harden, no one wants to hear your advice on trade request. You've torpedoed two franchises, the Rockets and the Nets. And you're on track to blow up the 76ers. Also, there's a major difference between you and Damian Lillard. Like I mentioned with the Celtics, if you're the uh, the 76ers and you want to keep Joel Embiid in Philadelphia before he wanders off to the Knicks because he has a lot of close connections with the Knicks organization, his agent has close relations, he's friends with the GM team president. If you want to keep Joel Embiid with the 76ers for as for his entire career, you need to pull the trigger and trade for Damian Lillard. And also, keeping you need to keep damn away from the Miami Heat. And I keep saying it, I'm not trying to sound like a broken record, but if you're the Celtics and the 76ers especially, you got to do it. And also, Dame's just a better player than James Harden. James Harden is self-centered. He attracts unnecessary attention, whether on or off the court, media comments, Media appearances. Meanwhile, Damian Lillard has been with the Blazers for 11 years and never says a word. Shows up to work, never says a word. So are you the one to really give advice that teams and players should meet in the middle? Maybe you and the Rockets should have met in the middle before you got fat and ate your way out of Houston. Or blew up the situation in Brooklyn. And trying to blow up the situation of the 76ers. Maybe you should look in the mirror at yourself before trying to look over at what the Trailblazers are doing. Don't worry about what Damian Lillard is going through. Worry about yourself. And I don't like when people do it in real life. 
mind your own business. James Harden, mind your own business. Mind your own damn... You're, you're the last guy that should be giving advice about this. Based on your track record of torpedoing various franchises and your play come playoff time, you don't need to be talking. You and Kyrie Irving are the last two individuals in the NBA or in sports in general that should be giving advice. No one wants to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Keep your mouth shut. So James Harden, I, I don't want to hear it. Don't want to hear. I don't want to hear your thoughts on how Damian Lillard and the Net and the Trailblazers should handle this situation. How they should handle the trade request. I don't want to hear your advice because it's irrelevant. Doesn't hold any water. Based on your career and what you have done, doesn't hold any water. So. It's ridiculous. All right. That is it for this edition of Opinions All Day. I will see you guys next time.